Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Where Did Nikki Go? And joining me is the author, Lucy Geddes. Welcome to the program. Hi, Jay. Thank you. Ple- pleasure visiting with you. You are in the northeastern part of the United States. You're an outdoor person. You like to ski. You like to do lots of things, including interior uh, things like, uh, I, I think it was uh, um, something to do with, with stitching or, or needles and something. I don't know. What, what is it that you do as a hobby? <laughs> Actually, oh gosh, lots of things, but I like to crochet. Uh, I like to cross-stitch. Um, I love to read, belong to a book club. Um and love to cross-country ski and kayak and swim and lots of things. Stay, try to stay active. Well, and, and, and you have a little time left to do writing. You have uh, have often been a storyteller. You have, uh, have mentioned that you're a grandparent. Uh, you share stories with your children and grandparents. This book, talking about Nikki, how did it get started? What was the motivation behind that? Okay, well, years ago, my family had a golden retriever named Nikki. And when he was 13 years old, we were surprised to take him to the vet for a regular checkup. And um, he had, the vet found a tumor. And he told us that he was too old to go through an operation and we should take him home, give him lots of love, and enjoy him with whatever time we had left with him. This was the first time that my three children experienced the death of a pet dog. And those of us who have gone through it know how difficult it can be. With children, and probably as well, adults as well, um, sometimes they have a lot of questions. And I had always wanted to write children's books, and this was the inspiration for writing my first children's book. I wanted to write a story that children would enjoy and hopefully help them through the grieving process. And Um, and in, in your background, you also are that of a teacher, so that entered into this as well, correct? It did. Um, I focused throughout my life on being a mother of three and my students, my career, and all my kids' activities and everything else, and I didn't find time. Um, I always wanted to do it, and I took writing courses over the years, but I really honestly wanted to make sure I had a lot of time so I could focus on it, so I waited until I retired. And that was kind of helpful in a way, too, because I taught younger children um, readiness, kindergarten, first grade. And because of that, I I feel that after 33 years of teaching and a mother of three, I have a lot of insight as to, you know, so many experiences and different things that will trigger ideas for stories. And my main focus on this writing is something because I like to, I enjoy doing it. And I also want to help children in some way. Hmm. And that's why this one I'm hoping would help children, um, you know, through the death of a pet or a family member. Uh, Your focus then is on young children. What age uh, did you target with this book? Well, with this book, I think it probably would be 6 to 12. Um, and I actually, I've started a second book, and that would be for um, a younger, probably 4 to 8. But um, 
anyhow, um, yeah, so it, it's funny. I've had some of my friends say that they've bought the book and they've read it to their children and they also enjoyed it while they were reading it to their child. Um, so, but, th- but those are the ages I think it would be geared to. Your main character's name is Danny. Uh, any significance in that name or just one that you picked from all of the years of teaching? That's, that's, I think, the correct answer. <laughs> just the name that I picked from all the years of teaching. Yeah, there's so many names out there, but uh, not really after anyone in particular. Yeah. Now, did you think the writing process came easier than you expected, or was there uh, maybe a challenge or two in, in getting this completed? Actually, I like the writing process. I think the challenging part was it actually took me a lot of time just thinking about the story that I wanted to write because what happened to our dog was years and years ago when our kids were younger and um, it took it, it took a lot longer than I thought. Over the years, I would think about it. I would rewrite it. Um, I finally got it to the point where I was completely satisfied with the story. And the most rewarding part, though, was when I read it to my four grandsons. And I had told them that I had written a story because we always, I would read bedtime stories to them or we would make up stories. But I had told them that I had written a story and I just wanted to see what they thought of it. Um, I told them that I wanted them to be honest with me about what they did think about it, which they have no problem at all doing. (laughs) So usually when I read to them, though, or we create oral stories, um, someone is always interrupting the storyteller to say something about the story. And when I read this story to them, I was shocked because you could have heard a pin drop. Mm. No one said a word. And they were all listening so intently. And finally, when I got finished, one of them, I just looked at them, and one of them said, great story, Grammy. Wow. And the other three said they liked it. And I thought, okay, I I just wasn't sure, you know, if it was, um, you know, it was probably because it was something that they could identify with, too. Mm, Um, Two of them do have dogs, and I, I don't know, but they just... They they did like it. But. Well, other than the passing of the the dog, the pet, in the story, is there another scene that you created that may really engage the reader? Well, there's one scene um, where Danny, the main character, has just been asked by his best friend Ryan for a favor. Um, he's not sure if he wants to do it. And so he asks his parents, I think, probably hoping that they'll make the decision for him and if it's all right with them. And he asked them that night at dinner, and after much discussion, his dad tells him it's okay with them, but he'll have to make his own decision as whether he wants to do it or not. Mm. Um, And there's so many things in this story that I think I don't want my themes, whatever they are, to be in-your-face type of thing. I want them to be underlying in the story. I want a nice, enjoyable story, but yet I want some things for them to think of. And one of those things right there was that, you know, Danny's trying, his dad's trying to get him to be independent, you know, and, and make, learn to make right decisions. And 
that's not the major theme of the story, but it's just a tiny little one in there, you know. Very good. Now, there are lots of stories about dogs, pets, and uh, goldfish and frogs, everything for children. Is this one, do you feel like uh, you've maybe hit on a couple of things that make it unique? Yes. Um, and I think what the events that happen in the story are unique. I've read so many books over um, the years with children, and I just think I've never read a story with the incidents that happen in this story. If, if it's out there, I don't know about it. But, but I, so I think the incidents that happen in it will be different. Um, but I think... Whether it's children or the adult reading it, I think they will very quickly be able to relate in some way to Danny, the main character. Fabulous. As as a writer and as a teacher and as a creative individual, it sounds as though you may have launched uh, another career in your life. Is this something that you want to pursue and have lots of books, maybe in addition to this particular story and character, or are there other things in your future? Actually, it's. I'm glad you asked that because I honestly thought it would be a hobby that I would do. Um, in you know, when I retired and I said, "Okay, now's my time to do this," but I honestly didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy it, whether it was the writing or publishing. Um, and I really like it, and that's why I was even before. This one got published. I had started another one. And like I said, the, the next one will be for children a little younger, maybe four years to eight years. And it's more of a fun, lighthearted story about a grandmother and her grandchildren. And it also has an underlying theme that's reinforced throughout the story. Beautiful. Um, so. Where did Nikki go? This is a, a good title and an intriguing storyline. Uh the characters, uh, Danny's the main character. Are you planning to take him on an additional journey, do you think, down the road? Or is this his story and his time only? You know, I've thought about that, and I'm not sure right now. I do plan on writing lots more books, and I, I had thought maybe of continuing this or just writing other ideas that I've it's it's funny as a teacher I would if I had an idea I'd write it down I had a notebook by my bed mm. <laughs> I would just jot down ideas when they came to me and um, so I have lots of ideas and I do want to write lots of books I'm just not quite sure yet if I'll be following up the Danny one or not Beautiful. but um, well it's uh, very well yeah. done it's again it it deals with an important topic for children and one they can read themselves or have grandparents or parents read to them and uh, certainly inspire and answer a lot of questions the title of which again is where did nikki go lucy geddes has been my guest author now lucy uh in writing this story did you work from an outline or was it just something that uh, came from a creative standpoint and you just let it flow yes the latter. Um, it's funny. I know when I taught writing in school and whatever, and there's all these rules, and I'll be honest, I just, I don't know. I'm just a person that um, likes to just sit down and write it out. 
Um, and probably that's why I rewrite it and rewrite it. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but I, I really do just, um, I, I have the major events that I want and then I just try to write it out. Yeah. Beautifully done. And about 50 yeah. pages, not quite that many. The title, again, is Where Did Nikki Go? Lucy, where do I listeners get a copy of this to share with their children and their grandchildren and others? Okay, the pu- I self-published through Ex Libris. And actually, if they just put in lucygettis.com, um, it will take them right to my website on Ex Libris. And they can buy the book and they can see what it's like first. There's a synopsis there. I also just recently had a review done, Pacific review, book review, and that's also on the website if they want to read that. It's also on Amazon and it's also on Barnes & Noble online. Beautiful. So it would be all three of those places. I'm doing some marketing myself locally, um, so I, it is in some bookstores in New Hampshire also. Excellent. They can request it from their local bookseller by name. Uh, where did Nikki go? N-I-C-K-Y. And by the author's name, Lucy and Geddes, G-E-D-D-E-S. Oh. And uh, they'll be able to find the book here and also anything else that you write in the future. Lucy Geddes. And Lucy, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story, taking uh, time out from Needlepoint and whatever else you're doing in the cold weather in uh, in your part of the world. Thank you for joining me and sharing your story. Lucy, after completing this, uh, what is your advice? Actually, I just would like other people to know that if you have ever had a dream, don't give up on it because I waited, you know, 40 years to do mine and it's well worth it. Just you have to want to make it happen, at, but yet be patient and do it when it feels right. Fabulous so advice. Don't give up on your dreams. Well, <laughs> that's that's the advice of a teacher and a teacher's heart. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at t-o-g-i-n-e-t r-a-d-i-o dot com Welcome back to Ex Libris for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled Traveling with Alzheimer's, Year Two. And joining me is the author and the individual who is sharing his experience, Dr. Brian Scott Edwards. Welcome, sir, to the program. 
My pleasure. Thank you, Jay. This is a complicated and complex subject. I uh, have just returned from a family uh, incident where we had to uh, say goodbye to my brother-in-law. Of course, he was much more advanced in years than you are. He was uh, 91 and experiencing the difficulties of memory lapses and other issues related to that. You have decided and uh, made a determination to share your journey. This one, year two. Uh, Tell my listeners a little of your background as a doctor and how this story got written. Well, you know, I'm a medical doctor, boarded in internal medicine, boarded in geriatrics, boarded in infectious disease, boarded in lipidology, boarded in obesity. So I've been studying my whole life. Hmm. So I've always been interested in Alzheimer's and have a lot of experience in my clinical practice because I was actually the head of nursing homes or at least the directing advisor. And I've dealt with these people a long time, but it's funny how you don't know what you don't know. And I've learned a lot more about the subject and I felt I needed to share it with people so that they don't have fear if they get this diagnosis. Yes. Uh, You have gone through many, many different types of tests in order to determine where you are on the scale of uh, Alzheimer's. And and what have you discovered? Anything that was unique to the uh, testing that you had not been aware of uh, in the first place before going through the trials? Well, let me say, you can't make the diagnosis until autopsy, Mm. okay? Right. Uh, But if you get sequential three-hour psychological exams, eventually that that pretty much shows people that you have the diagnosis. Mm. Now, I was able to get, by a government uh, grant, a, uh, you know, the, the one that everybody thought was most important, the PET scan to see how much amyloid plaque you have. Yes. Well, uh, my urologist called me in December 2017, and he says, based on this exam, yeah, I think you definitely have Alzheimer's, and he started me on medicine. Now, when I met a a neurologist from a research center, he said, yeah, oh, that's fine. He said, but the truth is, it's your genetic uh, story that interests me the most. Hmm. I had one out of two genes positive for the Alzheimer's virus. Wow. And you are looking at it, or it is believed to be viral in nature. Is that what you're describing to me? No, no, no. no, no, no. no. We don't know what causes it. Don't know what yeah. causes it. Okay. And yeah. as they begin treatment, you you have been able to, to tell the story by keeping notes. Is that how you've done it? You've traveled quite a bit as well. Yeah, so I, I do Twitter and I do blog, and on my blogs, I'll often use my blogs to then fill in my book. When I have time, I'll write directly into my book. So, you know, now it's uh, March, so I'm really into the fourth month of my year three book, which I'm calling Pursuit of Happiness with an Alzheimer's Patient. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm really happy to be able to still do this, I hope I answered all your questions there. You're doing a great job. I was curious. I saw one part of your, or one chapter, that had to do with palaces or something of that nature. How would you describe that? So someone gave me this book a year or so ago, and it's called uh, uh, Moonwalking with Einstein. 
I think the author is Joseph Fair or Foyer, F-O-E-R. Anyway, he taught me how to make a memory palace. Mm. So I memorized all 55 countries uh, in Europe, and I, I always remember it. I mean, uh, I usually use it at night to help me fall asleep. That's incredible. I, I, I have difficulty with remembering specifics. I'm not a detail person partially at least that's my excuse i'm also creative and uh, that gives me some challenges at times i have been accused by my friends as being adhd i don't think that's it i think i'm just creative <laughs> but uh, you have been able to study and remember uh, those those uh, different countries that in itself is a, a remarkable achievement whether you have a medical challenge or not how long did it take you to come to that uh, that realization that you still had the ability to remember? Well, you know, it's a different type of memory. Oh, sorry. Still have... Yes. Okay. That's a different type of memory. You know, the memory loss that I have is very short term. You mm, know? Right. I mean, uh, like today, tomorrow, so I have to keep good notes, right? But that kind of memory is different. And actually, one scientist says people should use this method where you put a picture of a relative in various rooms of your house. And that's how I do it. I had various objects in my house and I see those objects and then I remember the country. So he is suggesting that you get pictures of your relatives and then you get this memory palace. So what, when relatives come to visit, maybe you'll remember them. And he's done a study and it showed it worked, but it's a different type of memory than Alzheimer's. Of course, at end-stage Alzheimer's, you know, it's, well, I write about this a lot, how much of the self is left, but the self is always there. I learned this from reading it from other people. Fantastic. As a medical professional, a professional, had you always been a diary keeper or a keeper of notes, or is this something that you decided, I need to begin doing so as the, the diagnosis was, uh, was discovered? I started writing a diary when I was in grammar school, like sixth wow. grade. Incredible. And I have kind of kept it up on and off over the years. But I've written six books, so I've kind of finally figured out how to do it. Amazing accomplishment just on its own. I, I am uh, honored to, to meet someone that has that discipline. You, you as uh, the diagnosis uh, began or as you began this journey, uh, was there anything that is unique about it that maybe the reader will find intriguing? Well, you know, the first book, I think it's very important because people often say to me, I don't think you have Alzheimer's, and they don't realize that a lot of memory loss in age is due to age-related memory loss. But no, I clearly have Alzheimer's, and I documented it in detail, okay? I thought that was very important. Uh, so the book will show that. Um, I don't know what the rest of that question was. Well, I'm just curious. The, the book itself is unique, and I think your journey is unique, and the fact that you're able to, oh, yeah. because of discipline, you're able to share that. Uh, that's a remarkable accomplishment just on its own. You finished the first book, you're into the second, and actually have uh, begun uh, work on the third year of this uh, of this process. In 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 this book itself, uh, how would you introduce this? What's different about this book from others in the marketplace? I know it's not just a clinical book. It really is your personal journey. Is that what makes it unique to you? 
you know, I've looked at a lot of other books on this subject, and none of them are in the first person. Right. The whole time. The whole time, it's in the first person. And so uh, the others, you know, they're put together in a publishing fashion to make it sell. My aim was, you know, now I'm hoping to finish five years and have a series of five books, and then people can really get the idea of what I'm going through, and that you know I try to have a very positive attitude and try to help other people with the science that's coming along. I even do some art review and some movie reviews, uh, so I try to break it up with some jokes. I'm trying to make it somewhat entertaining. I actually think the second book is better than the first book. Wow. You uh, have also highlighted your travel. You travel extensively. How important has that been to you? Well, it's some of the best time of my life. And as I say in my book, when you get Alzheimer's, go out there, spend your kids' inheritance, and have fun. <laughs> you know, don't don't fret about it all the time and looking for nostrils. Really, there's no cure. I mean, we've been, there have been some very disappointing trials this year. Uh, or last year, and I've written about those. So I do take a lot of medicines for my diabetes, my blood pressure, my high cholesterol, but I think all those things are helping me uh, stay healthy and not progressing badly into the dip in Alzheimer's. You live in Florida and in Kansas. Uh, is, it, um, I, uh, is it part of the winter retreat from Kansas that you end up in Florida, or is it just uh, personal choice? Well, you know, we like to be down here in January, February, March. Absolutely, right? right. But the truth is, I think summer is better in Florida than in Kansas. Longer days, we're on the beach, it's cool, we have a pool. No, we love it down here. It's actually our residence. Oh, phenomenal. And Well, that's that part is also fascinating. Uh, my family, extended family, my daughter and uh, all of the kids and, and us, we were invited on a family vacation to Florida last summer. And it was in August, and uh, I am originally from Canada, so hot weather is okay, but not something I have a passion for, like my daughter. She likes to go and bake on the beach. Uh, we, endured, yeah. we endured a very fine one-week vacation, but it cured me of my desire to be in Florida in the summertime. So what you're telling me is very no, interesting. Very interesting. Is there anything about this book that is um, uh, going to surprise the reader, uh, other than the fact that they get acquainted with you on a personal basis? I think that's a, a unique part of your book. Well, I, you know, I think it shows that I can still write, and I can still read, and I actually have a lot of creativity as I walk along the beach or walk on the treadmill. And I just want to encourage people. Please, don't give up. Don't be despondent. I was fairly despondent my first year because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. But now that I'm writing the third book, you know, I am much more confident that I hopefully will write it year four and year five. Fabulous. Your chapter 28 deals with your first black eye. Share that story yeah. with, my, with my audience. Okay. So again, you know, I try to mix it up. Try not to make it all, you know, uh, roses, whatever. And uh, so uh, last year, my wife, we were having some work done in the basement. My wife says, well, help him carry the stuff up the hill. Uh -huh. And I'm like, what? 
you know, I keep telling her I'm too light for heavy work and too heavy for light work, but she doesn't <laughs> listen. So I'm helping this guy carry the bookcase up the hill. It's not that heavy. It's ungainly. He's in the front, I'm in mm-hmm. the back. He's much younger. We get up to the top of the hill. All of a sudden, he stops. Drops it. Well, I just keep going. You know, oh. <laughs> that's the problem. You got momentum and balance, and then I'm losing my balance. And wouldn't you know, I don't land on the grass. Oh boy! I plant my face right on the cement. <laughs> and you're so proud of it. You you included that photo on the back of your book. I think that's also a, a, a remarkable uh, thing to share with uh, with the uh, the reader. I'm trying to show people. I'm trying to do warts and all. Yeah. You know? Is the diagnosis, is that the end of everything for someone, or is there still hope? I, I know that there are some fake cures out there. Oh, yeah, thank you. The last thing I wanted to say was beware of nostrums on Internet, on books. I review the books that talk about nostrums, and there's no cure. Mm. And they, some doctor actually has posted patients he thinks have benefited or even cured. This is just not true. My neurologist has a patient that's lasted eight years without much drop, and he wonders if he has the diagnosis. But then he checked the uh, myeloid scan, and he said, oh, yeah, this guy has Alzheimer's. It's just some of us do better, and I think probably taking care of yourself, especially blood pressure, et cetera, is very important. Very important. Uh, There may not be a cure, but there's always hope. And uh, that's another thing that your book gives those who read it. Thank you. The book is is certainly a challenge from your perspective. And also, I think the reader will find it uh, fascinating. And as you have described it, entertaining and also enlightening. The title of, again, is Traveling with Alzheimer's, Year Two. Uh, My author, Dr. Brian Scott Edwards. Dr. Edwards, my listeners need to get a copy of this. They need to share it with family members who might be going through a challenge. How do they do so? Oh, Amazon.com. You can get all my books on Amazon.com. Just put in Brian Scott Edwards, MD. Excellent. And they can also request it from their local bookseller by the name or by the author, Brian Scott Edwards, would be the easiest MD. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course, the best thing is go online and then take a picture of it with your phone. Fantastic. Dr. Edwards, thank you for sharing your story, and best of luck on the journey. We uh, are hoping we can visit with you in year five or year six or year seven after you've completed those uh, those parts of the journey. Thank you for sharing your insight and your story so far. You're welcome, Jay. Thank you. Pleasure. Honored to visit with you for Ex Libris on Air and for, well, that's just Ex Libris on Air. It's Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. 
Greetings for Ex Libris Odd Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is The Unexpected, and joining me from Florida is first-time author Donald Myrick. Welcome, sir, to the program, sir. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. This is an extensive read, not extensive, but I mean it's uh, a fairly ambitious read for a first-time author, 312 uh, pages. What has been your curiosity about science fiction and, and uh, this uh, this particular work? Well, I've always been a fan of science fiction, you know, growing up on it, being a scientist myself. Um, it just seems a natural thing to do. And have you, have you always had a desire to be an author, sir? Mm, no, not really. Um, probably going through school is probably the last thing in my mind. <laughs> uh, not being, you know, the greatest student in English through high school, but, you know, I caught on a little bit later on in professional life. You obviously have a creative mind. Again, your background is in the sciences and uh, propulsion engineering, I think, and some other things uh, related to even NASA. So you have a very illustrious uh, personal career and decided uh, I'm going to retire and uh, do something else. And uh, writing and science fiction sort of floated to the surface. Explain the title, The Unexpected. What does it entail? Exactly what it says. You might be reading something, and the course of the is going along in one direction, and then something happens, and that's unexpected. And it changes the course of where you're headed. It changes mm. your thought process. It changes the way you, you react. Uh, it changes everything. And life is full of unexpected things. It definitely is. Your your uh, characters, how would you describe them? Are they uh, Is this action-driven, or would it be more character-driven in, in your estimation? Um, gee, I'm a little of both. Mm. You've described your opening, uh, I guess, uh, overview of the book as uh, something that happens in Venezuela. Is that the center of your story? Well, no, it's not the center. It's probably um, where it starts out. Mm. It comes back to there. But it goes all across the north, uh, northern hemisphere, really. Yeah, you even, you even mentioned Austin, Texas. I'm located in Texas, so that's a familiar place for me. Uh, your character. Well, that's where I'm from. <laughs> you know, you're from. You're from Texas. Well, we can forgive you for that. I mean, you know, yeah, somebody has to live in Florida. <laughs> You you uh, in in writing this uh, was it difficult for you to imagine? Is this future tense by a long shot, or is it uh, current times? Current times. Current times. Or, okay. Or, or near current times. You know, it's probably a little in the future, but not not far. And who are your characters? Uh, how would you describe them? Uh, everyday people, uh, really, uh, with uh, one particular thing that kind of joins them all together. They're all cavers. Or most of them are cavers anyway. You know, and that's kind of what my background for doing this whole thing was, is that I'm a long-time spelunker. Mm. And if, if you're from Austin, you probably know there's a big grotto in Austin that uh, is also it's a caving group. Yep. And uh, one of the things that they have been quite well noted for is exploring some of the deep caves down in Mexico. I also have spent a lot of time in North Alabama, in Huntsville, and we have a big grotto up there, and we have a lot of big caves in North Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and whatnot with really deep pits inside these caves. And that's kind of the uh, nexus for uh, the plot of this whole thing, was finding a place where you might find a really, really deep cave. 
that needed exploring. Mm. And that's why Angel Falls. You have a 3,000-foot drop there. Wow. And that's based on fact, not fiction. That is correct. Wow. And the, so the whole thing you know, is kind of, you know, uh, fact-based put into a fictional environment. Gotcha. And and it would be described as science fiction also. Is that correct? Oh, yes. It, it diverges from reality later on in the book. Okay. And the main characters, when you began to, to write about this adventure, was it something that just came from your imagination only, or did you work from uh, notes? Did you work from past experiences? How would you describe the writing process? Uh, well, I have a lot of past experience in um, caving and exploring deep pits. You know, I'm, I'm one of the old-timers that have done, you know, some of the you know, big, really big rappels and whatnot into these caves, so uh, that's all based on reality. And as far as my characters are, they're all fictional, but... They have characteristics of people I've known, so they're fictional, but you know they're they have real capabilities. And one of your characters' name is Spider Lawson. I thought that was a great choice for a, a an imaginative name for a for a character. Is that someone you knew in your past? Um, no, not really. But there are a lot of kids out there these days that would fit that description. You know, rock climbing has become a new sport. Mm. these days and some of the kids are doing some absolutely impossible climbs and a lot of the kids that are doing this are scrawny little women that do unimaginable things I, i've seen some of the video on that there, it just amazes me that there's the uh, courage and the uh, lack of fear in some of the moves that are made on these rock surfaces and, yes. and yes and you've described those in your book i'm assuming yes and Spider Lawson, is that your main character that uh, is no, in... No, no, no. No, she's just one of the Just characters. one of them. Okay. And the, the main characters are really uh, the six characters that uh, actually do the exploring of the cave. And, wh- and then maybe plus one or two that are really support people. And in completing this and fleshing out the story, is there an action scene in here, other than the the rock climbing and the natural thing, is there something that's a surprise that the reader will be either shocked by or inspired by in writing this, in the in the storyline itself? Um, there are probably several things. <laughs> At least I hope there are several things that will surprise the reader. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people that have read it have commented to me that, yeah, this is this is kind of interesting. You know, you start going down this road, and then it turns, and you go down that, and it turns, and so on. Uh, so it's not just one unexpected thing. It's one unexpected thing after another. And uh, the thing about it is, you know, I don't like a story that requires uh, a plot to be generated by somebody doing something stupid. You know, life, right. life presents us with enough uh, challenges that are real that we have to respond to. And so I try to make, you know, the challenges that these people face, you know, real and their responses based upon logic and what, you know, you'd expect people to do. But it has to be um, where it was not a simple response. It took, you know, forethought. It took a little ingenuity. It took something out of the ordinary to successfully overcome the difficulties that they're faced with. Yeah, most science fiction has an element of uh, things not discovered or invented yet. Is there any of that in your book or in your story? Yes, there are. Ah. 
your science background came to the surface. Now, what <laughs> is it something you want to divulge, or is it something that's uh, it, left it's something up for the... that our, the reader ought to um, to discover? But yes, mm. there are a lot of things that are you know uh, on the fringe of science that you know aren't really existing yet, but you know they could be. Mm. Interesting. You've you've done an, an interesting approach then to it's more character study, but there is a lot of action as well. How long did it take, Don, to uh, complete your your novel? Uh, a little less than a year. And was it simply sitting down and letting the story take you on a journey, or did you have to do uh, some pre-planning on this? Um, I would say the former. It just took you on a yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you fill in the blanks and. You create a situation and you respond to it, and then it leads you to something else, and you respond to that. Now, as a new author, is this a journey of uh, discovery that you want to continue doing? You mean, is there going to be a sequel to the book? Well, a sequel to this or uh, other books in the future that will deal with uh, interesting... I'm currently working on a sequel to this book. Oh, fantastic. And the same same characters, or are you developing new ones? Same, exactly. Fabulous. Fabulous. Continuing the saga. Uh, wow. And it's, uh, again, a, a fairly extensive, uh, ambitious read. Now, you're, if you were to describe the, the reader that you think uh, this will you know, embrace them or they'll embrace the story, who would that be? I would say just about anybody who likes outdoor adventure, anybody who likes you know, uh, science fiction, maybe not the far-out science fiction, but you know, the, um, realistic science fiction. Hmm. A little mystery, a little intrigue, a little Russian involvement, you know, uh, international intrigue there. Uh, secret agencies, all of those are involved. And even younger readers would uh, would embrace this. Is that how you describe it? I would say, you know, from 12 on. Right. Only because of the uh, complexity, perhaps, of the plot and the 312 pages? Uh, possibly. I mean, you know, young readers can also read long books, too. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and and when you... Uh, but, you know, it's all, it's all clean. You know, there's, there's nothing, you know, that would uh, preclude it being appropriate for younger readers. Oh, good. That's that's kind of the story I was trying to, to get to. <laughs> you know, some, some stories have, uh, this is a great book for everybody except for this one chapter and this one scene. <laughs> and I have to go, <laughs> I go, well, that's interesting. Could you tell me where that scene and that page is so I can check it out? <laughs> no, I don't really say that. That's just a, a random thought in my brain. I'm not yeah, a scientist, obviously. Like I say, there are no such scenes that you have to worry about. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic. And again, as you've described it, this is a, a journey that you began taking after retiring and and uh, and something that you had thought about, and you're enjoying it. So that in itself is uh, certainly something to be congratulated about. Were there challenges that you didn't anticipate when you began this journey? Um, yeah, of course there is. Um, this, this, this one was the first start I had. He asked I kind of got interested in this one, discussions with friends and whatnot. We talked about what we see on TV and said, you know, gee, you know, those those plots are so trivial. You know, why would people do that? You know, you know, that's not the logical thing. He says, you know, I can write something better than that. Mm. Anyway, it just kind of <laughs> fell in place with that. I can do something better than that. And so you, you do. Well, and I think I think you've done a, a marvelous job in completing this. Again, the title of the book is The Unexpected. My guest author, Donald, D-O-N-A-L, 
Myrick, M-Y-R-I-C-K. And as he's uh, alluded to in our earlier part of the discussion, there is a sequel on its way. Donald, my listeners uh, need to get a copy of this, especially if they love uh, science fiction. And even if they don't, they probably will enjoy the story. How do they do so? Well, they can get it from uh, Barnes & Noble. It's lit, uh, they can order it there. You can get it from Amazon online, or you can buy it directly from Ex Libris. Exceptional. And is there a website developed yet? Uh, yes, there is. You can go to theunexpectedbook.com. Theunexpectedbook.com. Well, this is exciting, and congratulations on completing this, the first in a series, I'm guessing, of uh, maybe the same characters. We don't know. The title again... And a few more. Oh, fantastic. Well, this one titled The Unexpected, my guest author, Donald, D-O-N-A-L, Myrick, M-Y-R-I-C-K. Donald, thank you for joining me today. Author, uh, listeners, you can do a search under his name, find the book, and your local bookseller can also order it in by the title and by the author's name if you, if you choose to do so. Donald, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. This is, uh, this is a great start. Thank you, and best of luck in the future. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. For Ex Libris On Air, this is J. Douglas Barker. Mm-hmm.